welcome to another fine edition of Chopped Greens. I am your host, Philip Amarine, joined virtually alongside the one, the only, the magnanimous, magnanimous Gareth Boucher. Gary, how are you doing today? Is that a word? That, uh, it is I, a word. I'm doing magnanimously. Magnanimous? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a word. It's more wow. so I don't know if I'm correctly utilizing the word. So that's where the discrepancy would come along. <laughs> ah. Let's see. Magnanimous. Generous or forgiving, especially towards a rival or less powerful person. Well, you're my number one rival. And I like to think I'm, I'm pretty forgiving because uh, you're pretty abusive on this podcast. So I, I, you I'm know doing I'm, magnanimous. I'm not abusive in this form of the podcast. I'm, I'm abusive in uh, Gimme Five. There's no doubt about that. I love to see you. That's those. true. I do love to see you eat it and completely nosedive. Yeah. Yes, yes. There's no doubt about that. I, yeah. will not, I will not apologize for that. But... In this particular format, I love your opinions. I love having you come on. I love talking with you about movies, getting an excuse to talk about and watch movies. So I, I just You're want my that. favorite two-faced person in the world. Thank man. you. That's what I aim <laughs> for. And everybody's circle of life, circle of friends, circle of hosts that they listen to. I want to be the most two-faced person out there. And I'm slowly working my way to that. And we're also slowly working our way to this week's film. Yes, we took a week off, but this week we are talking yes. about a film that is Oscar nominated, not overall as a film itself, but really by one starlet performance by Vanessa Kirby, who certainly leads this film. It's a film really used to pronounce her performance. Vanessa Kirby plays Martha in Pieces of a Woman. It's on Netflix. Uh, so if you cannot find it there, you will not be able to find it anywhere. Uh, Vanessa Kirby gives a tremendous performance. Uh, it's hard whenever you're talking about that or having that as your billing as that's what we're going to make our bread on. That's what we're going to be watching this for, for all intents and purposes. You kind of come in with expectations. You come in there comparatively to the rest of the field. Who else is in the best actress category? Who else do you think obviously deserves it? Because you're not going to see all these at the same time. So maybe you're you're having your in your head some power rankings or some, some jockeying for position of, well, I don't know how she's going to beat out Glenn Close in my mind for this role or what have you. But... With all that being said, with all that being as a preset, Vanessa Kirby does a tremendous job in this film, lives up to the billing, uh, as often for acting performances, whenever you're nominated for an acting performance, it's actually quite hard to not live up to that billing. Uh, I find that sometimes the best film can go up and down where you're like, I don't necessarily understand why this film was nominated, but okay. But in the acting performances... Certainly, Vanessa Kirby deserves uh, our first shout out because otherwise we would spend the rest of the, the podcast just alluring to oh, Vanessa Kirby. Fantastic job. Your thoughts, Gary? Yeah, you know, I've seen three of the five nominees so far. I'll be watching the, the next you know, two in, in the next few weeks as far as Best Actress goes. All different, um, all great for, for very different reasons, right? And for her, it was really like, to me, like the first half hour of the movie. Um, but I mean, it, it rests on her shoulders and we can get a little bit more into like what she's got going on um, with her and, and her co-star and the other people in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's her movie from, from end to end. Really yeah, is. absolutely. Um, yeah, but whenever we're talking about this film, uh, <laughs> I think that we would be 
erroneous to move away from the acting category this early in the film, since that's where we're starting. Uh, and there's really no form or f- function that says we can't do that. So I'm going to continue there down, we go. <laughs> down the road. Uh, next down the list would be Sheila Buff and Gary. Uh, we're going to go with you on this uh, just just to just to hit us off the topic, because obviously my first my first thought whenever when I was watching this film was actually shock and surprise, because in the first scene of the film, we see Shia LaBeouf come on stage directing people, being uh, the, the organizational person. I'm not familiar with the term, but being the manager, I guess, for lack of a better term uh, on, on, on a construction site, yeah. on a construction the site, construction a, bri- a bridge, manager, yeah. yeah, construction manager, a bridge builder, whatever it is. Uh, Sheila Buff uh, plays this this character, and I was actually absolutely and un- incredulously shocked that he was in this film because I had not seen that. And Sheila is is to a point now where, especially with indie films and everything else going around yeah. him, he's certainly top billing as an actor. He's billable. He's somebody. He's a get. So I was surprised to not see him. Me knowing that he was in this film. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea either. You know, I just, we watched it because Vanessa Kirby was nominated for this actress. Shia was surprising, and so was Benny Safdie. I don't know if you're f- familiar with the Safdie brothers, the listeners, but uh, a director duo who most recently did Uncut Gems, one of them acts in this movie as well. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're not familiar with what's going on outside with Shia LaBeouf, we're obviously just talking about the movie and the merits of the movie and the acting in the movie. You know, he's going through a lawsuit allegations all that right now just want to say that at the top here that know what's going on but for the purpose of the podcast we're just going to be talking about the movie yeah and i think it's worth mentioning that um we almost have to for these films separate the artist from the art there might be a few exceptions here like uh, if we were to ever talk about a documentary perhaps that 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 would that yeah. would certainly merit we, us we can get into stuff into right, discussion right now we're just talking about the yeah movie. just the performances you know? and everything yeah. we saw on film not what happened off camera yeah so uh shia he goes on there Ellen Burstyn as Elizabeth. Ellen Burstyn, a living legend. Absolutely. One of the only Triple Crown people. Yeah. Triple Crown meaning Gary, for those who aren't she, aware. Ooh, for the unaware, she has an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Tony. At least one of each. Yeah. Triple Crown of acting. Um, she's almost 90 years old, and she's got a few moments in this film. We can talk about if they were necessary, but yeah, yeah she, she does very, very well. Um, otherwise, yeah, that... You know, rounds out the notable yeah. people. There's, you know, a, a few unknowns that play her family members. Um, well, we actually have to, you know, drop Molly Parker, who plays the midwife in the yes. movie. Yes, absolutely. She, Pretty big role. Very distinctive look, in my mm-hmm. opinion, too. Great casting. Yeah. Uh, you know what? My uh, one thing that I do want to note with Vanessa Kirby, and this is so weird. I feel like as an actor or an actress in this case, but uh, an actor actually works for both terms. So I'll say, and as an actor... Uh, you can really have conduits and points within your body to help you as an actor. A lot of people say that, uh, I'm trying to think, some people have extremely expressive eyes. Yeah, If you think of like Denzel Washington, he has an expressive walk. That's something very rare and unique about him that he can, that he possesses. He has very, uh, uh, he has a very expressive walk. Um, Gary Oldman as a method actor has a very expressive vocal patterns and, uh, and what have you. I say all this 
to to preset, um, Vanessa Kirby has a very expressive neck. And it's the first time I've ever seen an actor have a very expressive neck. And I thought, found that to be very unique. And I just thought it was worth mentioning because I've, I've never seen another actor have an expressive neck. And uh, again, if you have not seen the film, as we usually say in these in these podcasts, please go see the film because we're pretty much going to be spoiling a fair amount, if not the entirety of the film. Uh, it was in our breakdowns of this. But uh, throughout the pregnancy and the miscarriage and and throughout the film throughout the rest it, it lowers but especially for, for the pain that she's going through in the in the pregnancy you saw a lot of that pain expressed through the utilization of the strain in her neck and just how pronounced that was for her as, as an actress you know i wasn't noticing neck but i think she's she's got a very pronounced and like striking look oh yeah you know which is beautiful i mean beautiful and then like just her her eyes i mean she's got a long neck she's just got this kind of curious look about her that that makes her good to watch especially because her performance is so muted she's got this this air about her that's a little bit mysterious and you're kind of wondering what's going on especially because she's dealing with this this crazy trauma and she's almost not reacting in the way that like maybe normal people would want or expect and you know that's a big part of the movie and and her vibe um serves that perfectly yeah um uh, and i it certainly it's hard because the the event itself, the the death of her child and the miscarriage and what led to that, whatever whatever that may be, I think that that is the most that that's one of the two brightest acting spots in the film. Now there's there's two the the miscarriage scene itself where they're giving birth and it's pretty much all of a one of a, a, a one cut right it's all one yeah it's, it's made to shot, seem like it's shot, shot in in one take and it's very impressive it's i paused the movie right when it happened it's a half hour scene it's 30 minutes long um it's like a master class in, in building tension it's it's terrific and that's where she gets her nomination is this because of the first half hour of the movie See, and i i, I was going to even say i think it's tremendous acting from all three parties all three of them all yeah, three of them for sure and it's the fact that vanessa has a later on scene in the courtroom that i think uh maybe even two when she comes back but there's two scenes in the courtroom that i think help Earn her the nomination, but, yeah. but the first one, the first one with uh, Vanessa, Shia, and uh, Molly Parker as the midwife, I think that that's where all three of them just completely help justify the rest of this film. Because without selling that as to the degree it did, it's not anywhere near as tragic. The stakes aren't there for the rest of the film, nor would you care for the rest of the film. Because without before that, you're kind of just seeing the day to day going on about. And ensuring yeah. that, yes, is a happy, healthy family, coming up family, really, a prepping family. And they're normal in every sense of the in every sense of the word, just living their life, prepping for a baby and getting ready. And then this scene and what happens in it really, of course, you're you're drawn right in. You want to see what's going on and because of the pain and everything else. And you realize that there are stakes of it's a home birth. Lord only knows what else that's going to lead to. Uh, and you can have your own set of opinions about that because obviously you know that 
the majority, the vast majority, I'd say, in, in modern day America, go to the emergency room and have their kids there. Uh, so you know that already there. And then, of course, if you had not seen the trailer for some reason, you can kind of sense that there's this foreboding energy that something might happen. And, and if you've seen the trailer, then you know that this is all what this is a slow march to. Uh, and and the acting is tremendous throughout that scene. I, it's 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 almost like it's akin to the up scene uh, in the movie Up, uh, where there's just a full on yeah just story within one scene within one moment in the film, and then the rest is just kind of fluff and filler around that. Really, it's just an excuse to kind of not make it a short film. Uh, and for all intents and purposes. And I think that that's really where the best part of the scene was. Yes. At the end, is there a, 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 a cliffhanger for you to kind of feel for the rest of the film? Yes. But I'd argue that there's a couple more of that in the film and it never really, even the ending isn't it. It's nice. It's all right. It's not fully satisfying. Although how can a film like this be fully satisfying? I don't know what, uh, Gary, would you agree that that scene by itself was just worthy of of everything uh, this film is is the best of this film at the very least? It totally is. It's it's you know, they cut themselves off right out the gate by being like this is everything that we have. Yeah. Um within a half hour. And I mean there's there's okay, here here's like the, the biggest strength never of weakness gets back of this to being that good. Really. It doesn't. No. Acting does. The acting does. But as far as writing, story, feel, No, exactly. Yeah. Nothing gets back to that to that. Moment. Acting is always world class, but like when you start out with a half hour of like essentially like almost like heart pounding action in a sense. And then you take us all the way down, and oh, it's just yeah. like we're we're meandering through the grief. I've seen, you know, I think of like Manchester by the Sea, other movies about I have like this exact grief. No, yes, you. There's a way to do the boring grief movie that makes it not as much of a boring grief movie, right? And this one, I feel bad saying it, but after the first half hour, it's almost like this movie. I don't know if there's any actors listening. You know about this. Have you ever been to a scene study class where, like, you know, you're with other actors, and the whole point of you paying for this class is you you have a director and you guys just work on scenes together. This right. movie was like watching a really good scene study. Like you said, in the first half hour, everybody hit their mark. The acting was great, but like the movie that's holding it all together is not there. But like 20 minutes later, there's like a scene where someone has a cool monologue, and you're like, wow, that was a good scene, but. It's just a lot of that, man, after I, the beginning. Yeah, I wrote that what Manchester by the Sea built up to, because especially if you've seen that, I'm sorry if you have not seen the, uh, Manchester by the Sea. but Worth on, seeing, like very good movie. Movies. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be going in. But anyways, but but my, my point be is what Manchester by the Sea built up to by the end of the film, where the, the whole climax of the film is, is near, if not the absolute end of the film, this film allowed us to see the fallout and build characters through the fallout specifically because you could argue that even the first two to three scenes where they're just they're buying a car, they're going through both of their jobs, whatever it is, there's really nothing there for each character. The, the point of those scenes are to actually show you the reverse where you're you're they're normalizing them. They're absolutely general run of the mill people going through their day to day lives Maybe the most extraordinary thing about them is that they have a rich mom. That's about it. 
And they're and, and they're buying stuff and like getting ready to have their baby. People sure. at work are like, "Good luck with your baby." Yeah, but. yeah. That's 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 it. And so what what this is is we develop characters through the fallout of the events of the one scene that is critical and yeah. paramount to the rest of the film. And that's again, I think we we would both see that as a failure because really nothing ever amounts to that energy again or recaptures that that absolute yeah. grab you. And drag you through, and, and it holds well, but by the end, you are running low on gas of interest for the average day-to-day viewer. So, I, Once again, man, if you're going to have a movie like this, cap, cap it at like 85 or 90 minutes, let me just say. And yeah. as I always say, I, I don't mind stuff being slow, but like, come on now. Um, it, and like like you said, you, just when you have that reverse, it makes it tough, and it's a... You know, it's a movie about like what grief does to people, right? And like how this couple falls apart, and like how these people change and grow, and like their flaws and what have you. But I I know that it's a movie about grief doing that to people more than I I feel that that's a movie mm. doing that to people. If that makes any sense at all, like no, Shia, that's, that's a great he point. relapses into drugs, and this girl becomes well, detached, alcohol. and or he he does a, he he, he sniffs a, a little oh, bit. Oh, that's right. He does like coke or he like crushes some pills, but he basically relapses into substance abuse, right? Sure. It's like, oh, the the belligerent guy relapses into a substance abuse, and the woman kind of goes back into her shell and starts sprouting apples, and you know, it's like I that's all well and good, but you know, not to name drop Manchester, but the uh, freezer scene, right? That is. You know, when people do things weird in grief, like like when he freaks out about his dad being in the freezer, that's more the stuff that I'm I'm looking for, if that makes any sense. This yeah. is very much like the acting is great, but they just kind of fill in the blanks story-wise, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. I mean, if we're talking about the story, uh, when when she went back to work, like the first thing, uh, I I liked the realism of the scene. I liked the the fact that she had to go to the bathroom and we saw that, the, the, the diaper. Um, yeah. Because that's, I honestly don't think I've ever even really seen that in a film. Uh, and well, I guess I've never seen that in real life either, but, uh, th- that's besides the point. Uh, I've never really seen that in film and I enjoyed the realism of that moment. It felt, it felt genuine, real, and it brought some stakes and, and made it necessary for you to go to that work. Cause otherwise I thought it was kind of unnecessary, but I thought that they were going to do where everybody, when she moved in, when she first walked back into the office, like everyone knew there wasn't one Joe Schmo in that office who who just didn't know her like we didn't know if you were going to do that can we make her like the boss of the company or something far more important where there were stakes as to why everyone knew what had happened with her maybe i'm crazy but i don't know i mean like if if i had a coworker who went out on leave to like have a baby and then they come back you early think everyone, and you think but word you think, on the street but you think everyone would know that she had a miscarriage that would be your first thought and you think everybody in the office would lie as some sort of polio victim that that you know that that just walks waltzes into the room? I guess not waltzing. I do think so, actually. I mean, imagine if, and I don't even know what that it's like so to, to work anymore. Man. But like, I I don't know. See, it, it felt natural to me, I guess. But it also felt like, oh, this is what a movie about grief. This is what you would write. She goes back to work, and everybody stares at her. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that's what my, I'm saying. It felt stereotypical. In my was, mind, it works, but, but it was leveled out by the realism of yeah. the bathroom scene. So, so again, yeah. I, I'm saying that there were just really shaky moments throughout the film. I, you know, I will say, I, I, I must shout out Vanessa Kirby though for 
going, you know, turning it up to 11 in that first scene, not making it gimmicky at all, like like a scene where, like, you know, a woman is giving birth. I feel like a lot of people might just, you know, want, want to scream, and it, it could be played off a little bit clownish, right? But she does it great, and then she's very muted for the rest of the film, and she's always interesting to watch. So in those scenes, I'm always kind of looking at her, wondering what's going on, but everything else going on around her is... Just does, it's just doing her a disservice because you put her in you know some other scenes with with some of the other actors like Shia or Ellen Burstyn. She she's great, but it's like four scenes in the movie that like I can remember. Yeah, I, it really that's it. Yeah, it really depends on the when the work. I mean, it's just the the story throughout. I, we're we're gonna pretty much hammer through all these, but um, like like there was a like she when she went to a party and she she didn't um. She didn't. She well. She kissed the guy. At she the just work danced party. with him and danced kissed with him yeah. and kissed him. But was that a work party? It was kind of weird that it was just like a regular party. It kind of felt somewhat. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of like, uh, hey, we're all gonna go get together after work at the disco. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what that's what we do. Yeah, and it just I don't know. It was just. Kind sure, of, I guess just like a nice way to show like. Oh well, you know, her, her husband, you know, cheated on her, and he's dealing with the grief, and she's also dealing with like the fact that she doesn't feel wanted. But see, I I, I can explain everything, but that doesn't mean that it works. Yeah, because just because I can explain everything. Yeah, you can you can explain everything, and looking back on it, you see again, you see the entire. It's like looking at somebody's notes because the, the disintegration of that relationship between the two with the grief, it was total. It was physical with the cheating. The relationship itself was non-existent because they didn't know where each other were. They, yeah. they barely talked, whatever, and uh, and it was it, it even transcended just their physical lack of you know intimacy. It it was you know physical with him relapsing, her just just her you know uh, going to different elements of you know running and not really doing much. And dude, they they try to to force another like half movie in there because truly. This movie could be an hour and 35 minute movie about, you know, the baby dying and then, you know, the husband and the wife growing apart and falling apart. Boom. That's the movie. But then they, they put mom in there and look, Ellen Burstyn is great in the movie, but in my, in my opinion, that? it's just really weirdly unnecessary. And then I, I don't like that it ends with like a defiant speech at a courthouse. Like, and that's all yeah. tied up with the, the, the mom stuff. That's an arc in the movie that I actually thought didn't need to be in there at all. And yeah. it's just like an extra 30, 40 minutes of mom daughter conflict. And I, it makes the character more rich, but for the movie that we're watching, it just feels out of place. Even with the, yeah, I, I, I didn't understand why the mom part was necessary. It kind of forced, the They're trying to get Ellen Burstyn one more uh, one more Oscar before all is said and done. Well, Vanessa Kirby, I, again, this is a this is a perfect example of poor story, poor. Well, maybe not writing, perhaps because the dialogue's fine. I just don't like the existence of it. But uh, and, but the separation of poor this, but excellent acting. For, for selling it, for making it good, like making no, chicken salad really, out and, of chicken bleep. And, and, and I'm telling you, like, that scene where they're all at dinner at, her, you know, Ellen Burstyn's house, the, the mom's house. Oh, and God, that was It so kind of weird. unfolds. It folds, It unfolds into this, this big fight. And once again, great scene work. If I was in an acting class and it's like we have this set set up of this, of this living room and everyone's walking around and the scene builds up. 
It's a great scene, but it does not work in the movie at all. And honestly, you know what this movie is? Mm. This movie, this is a play. We were watching a play. This is like a death of a salesman type play. Mm. You know, this this would work way well, better on stage. You There's get, a lot of monologues. You get that a lot with a lot of the, the pacing. Oscar noms where the, the script sort of has to elevate to being a little more wordy, being a little more playish and and obviously like i suppose I, it could right but like you know, i i just watched the father and this <laughs> yes. and those are both i mean the father is an actual play but this movie i was like okay this is literally a play i mean this this is way better suited to be on a stage um when, when you put it on film what uh, audiences are used to a certain journey that they're taken on in a movie like we talked about momentum even in a movie like manchester by the sea which is by kenneth kenneth lonergan who's a playwright he knows that when you're writing a movie, it's got to climax, right? And I suppose this movie does with the courthouse, but it just it just doesn't work to me, it, you know? I had a question. Did you find the cheating aspect of the story to be somewhat out of the blue? No, I don't. I, I, I didn't mind it. I, I thought it was... Not that I mind... I, it wasn't that I minded it. It was more yeah. so I got... I, I thought the angle that they were going with the lawyer and... And uh, Shia's character, uh, Sean, I thought that the angle that they were going for, which they did, but it was more than subverted, but that they were going with the idea that they were going behind Martha's back. And so like start a lawsuit to start a lawsuit. And that would end up with her having to deal with it in court because she was she was called upon in court and you had to go or else yeah. it would drop the whole lawsuit or what have you. I thought that that was the angle that they were taking yeah. it. And I was almost disappointed when all of a sudden it's a post coitus scene and I'm looking at, she is ding dong and I'm like, Whoa. Oh, Oh, they, Oh, okay. They are, they're in the thralls of a, of a cheating scandal here. Okay. I, it's interesting because it's, it's not like, presented as like a big moment it's just kind of like this is what's going on and i i I do enjoy that part about the movie and that would really work if it was the movie about just the husband and the wife falling apart afterwards right even in the dinner scene i actually enjoyed the the dynamic of those two not knowing that they were there and then them having a conversation outside i think was it hinted was it supposed to be that vanessa heard the entire conversation while above them at a window no, was she above them in a window? Oh, did you? Yeah. she. Uh, so the whole thing where she's, so they're having that whole conversation, the camera. He and some, the cousin lawyer on, on the porch. On the talking porch. like, I wish I would have met you earlier. That one, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right there. And then Vanessa, they, the camera semi-slowly, it's, it's so slowly that this is why I'm questioning it, but it pans up to looking at Vanessa Kirby smoking out a window on the second story of the house. Uh... <sighs> I didn't I, I feel like if they wanted to hint at that, maybe they would have done it more. Maybe I'm just that absent minded. But after this podcast after this that. podcast, go just back go, and watch go it. Go look at it. And, and riddle me that. Answer me that because I wasn't able to figure that one out. And she's crying, but I can't yeah. tell if that's just her crying because her mom just told her, If you did it my way, you would be holding your baby in your arms right now. That's a really good impression. Thank you. I actually was kind she, of proud. She as I was pulled it. out one hundred and ten percent in that monologue, and I was like, "This is 
so unnecessary. And I, I always feel, I feel bad saying that, but when actors are like really doing it, but I was like, what was the point of that? <laughs> it's it, yeah, you, truly. You felt spent afterwards, but you said, Wait, why am I? It was kind of. But for what? To what avail? <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what? We we talked a little bit about, about Shia. I, I was kind of disappointed because he took over the movie f- for a, a big part yeah. in the middle. Yeah, it really veered off into the Shia movie and the mom movie. And Vanessa Kirby really like she almost felt like best supporting actress by the end. And really, uh, only when the courthouse rounded it all out was I like, okay, yeah, it's a best actress. But really, I was like, is this like the the, the Shia movie because it it really started to follow him, and I was like, "This, this movie's called Pieces of a Woman." Yeah, for you know, if we if we diverge and we go to two different paths, there, I think for for Shia's part and his part in the story, I do think it was necessary to have him because really, I think if you had to rank what what are the most important aspects of this film, first off is Vanessa Kirby. Well, I'd even say that it's just paramount. It's hard to dissect it. But it's the the devolving relationship between Sean and Martha. Yeah, that's really what is at the crux of this film, and yeah. everything else feels ancillary. Even the outside elements of that devolving relationship feel ancillary. But at the crux of it is those two drifting apart, drifting away from one another. Uh, and for Shia's part specifically. I actually really, really enjoyed the bridge analogy that was shown in the film. It, it was very, it was, it was all the things that you can fault the rest of the film for, where it was subtle, you get it by the end, and it, it was, a, you, at first you thought it was completely appropriate. Once again, you're, it's... You're setting the scene for, for Sean's part in the film, where he's just a bridge constructor, and that yeah. it said so much more about him. Because of that, and in that, in that analogy exists. And then she goes to the bridge and she drops the ashes. I'm yeah. telling you, man, some community college is going to do this play in five years. And, you know, you can have your prop department just pull out more pieces of the bridge between the scenes. This is going to be a great play. Absolutely. I um, guarantee it, man. They might have some trouble with buying a car or having the car conversation. But other than that, and maybe they'll hire me for Ellen yeah, Burstyn's I mean, role when, by the time they finally get the rights, you know? If you had done it my way, way, you would be holding your baby in your arms right now. Who would have known I could pull out an Ellen Burstyn impression? (laughs) You're just bursting with impressions. I'm bursting with a bursting. But I love the bridges. And for, uh, for Martha's part, for Vanessa Kirby's part, again... It's one of those, I couldn't, I I don't even know how, but I think the one aspect of the film and the story for her part specifically that I liked, that worked for me, was that she was so enamored with apples and you didn't understand why, but it comes to it comes together very nicely. She She smelled smelled like apples. apples. She says it at the courthouse and then the apples sprout. Then there's an apple tree at the end. It got too much. It got too much. It was too heavy. It was too heavy handed with the apple tree at the, at the fricking end. 
But but before that, I really enjoyed that. I, I liked the aha moment in the court in the courtyard. I do love aha moments, but I'm also like, are we really ending? So, so the movie seems like it's really kind of grounded in realism the whole time, and then it ends with a courtroom speech that would ne- that's just not how it would work in real life. Judge, like you I, wouldn't. Can I address the court? Can I address the court? Like and you stand up and says. can like renounce your lawsuit and be like, I don't blame you. I get the feeling behind it. Completes her arc, but I'm like this. This is this whole movie is about like you know gritty like realism. It's slow and boring, right? That's yeah, what the, the, the realism the is. <laughs> and then she has a courtroom speech. I was like, really, a courtroom speech moment? Oh, come on! This is a play. Yeah. <sighs> I, I mean, that's really all that we can say about it, honestly. Because let me let me oh, shout out go ahead. just Molly Parker again, the the midwife. She really makes that that first scene work. I think um, she bounces off those two personalities really perfectly and she's the way that they do her hair and makeup um you are drawn in especially through through the whole trial portion i think um and i think that she did i had no idea who she was and i looked her up she's apparently a very well regarded indie film actress i've recognized her from past things but i I couldn't tell you what she's done just exactly and um she she was terrific so i'll give her a little shout out yeah the uh this, I think some of the best shots of the film, speaking filmographically, is in the court courtroom scene. I think that there's a lot of reflections. There's a lot of camera yeah. angles that work tremendously well within that courtroom scene. And finally, for me, my last note, the soundtrack. I, I, I don't know what it is about these Oscar films, man, but they are pulling out all the stops. It was Howard Shore, sound. by the way. Howard Shore, the composer of the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, one of the greatest composers of all time. I was like, what what is he doing in this movie? He's, yeah. He's got he's got nothing else to do. It wanes. It's uh it's fully accompanying, but it's not overpowering like in, in earlier films that we've reviewed. It, yeah. it certainly and it and it completely fits the tenor and you love those film scores man i do hey when i do i do when i don't i don't and even if it just doesn't even if i just don't notice it i even tend to like it but exactly i always think that it's worth mentioning all right guys thank you so much for listening and being a part of the show Uh, we will continue our trot to the oscars to the oscars Uh, all right for Podcast is Emeritus, Gary Boucher. I'm Philip Emery. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, continue to subscribe and listen to all of our old podcasts. We have other films that we've done for this year, classic films, horrible films, and much, much more. We will continue to be back next week. And, of course, listen to the accompanying podcast that comes along with this one, uh, the accompanying Give Me Five. I'm sure it's going to be great. We will film it here uh, in a little bit. And thank you so much. Lift your head and fight for yourself.